Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hi, and welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem. We are beyond excited to have Dr. Laura Foster on the pod with us today. She is a friend of ours in the real world and online, and she is a personal leadership coach to women, a retired chiropractor, the creator of Roots and the Sisterhood. She's also a yoga teacher, a podcaster, a retreat leader, and the founder of Soul Inspired Girl, which is her Instagram handle, and you should definitely check it out. And Dr. Laura is on a mission to lead women back to themselves and stoke the fire of their inner transformation. She believes that we are all meant to walk our sovereign path alongside one another. She's also a mom to two boys, united with her partner, Paul, and their blended family of six. Holy moly. And you can find her hiking the trails of Kelowna, BC, hanging out on her property along the shores of Kootenai Lake with their dog, Bodhi and their growing community of conscious humans. She also spends an inordinate amount of time crafting the perfect cup of coffee and will enthusiastically sing the incorrect words to every single song that she loves. She lives for genuine connection, wholehearted living, and slowing down to savor the sweetness of life. So welcome, Laura. We are so stoked that you are here. I think I'm the stoked one. Thanks so much for having me. I'm curious now what your perfect cup of coffee yeah. is. Oh, that's such an evolution. You literally is. Yeah. The current rendition of the perfect cup of coffee involves uh, my French press and the right beans from the right place. It has a bit of a carbon footprint. I'm a bit embarrassed about that. I'm trying to break up with this, but I have somebody who roasts my coffee in Ontario and I love her so much. She just keeps sending it to me. Um, yeah, it involves the perfect cup of coffee, like the perfect mug, the right kind of coffee. It involves, you know, like some of the sweet elixir stuff where it's like grass fed butter and there's some collagen in there and you just whip it all up and Ideally, nobody interferes with this process. We're all very quiet. Hopefully I'm by myself. I pour my cup of coffee and I love the humans in my family, but they kind of know, not that I'm grumpy in the morning. <laughs> I just love the moment with the coffee. So that's it. It's a whole thing. Mm. Sounds divine. 
Yeah, beautiful. The first time I met you in person was at a cafe too. So I think that's a perfect way to start our podcast. I was so excited when you walked in the doors of our tiny little local cafe that day. So yeah, amazing. Um, Also, I am more than willing to come over in the morning and be quiet if you want to uh, <laughs> make, make me a, a mug full of that. I will so do that. And the doors open anytime. I have a very big couch and multiple women are always invited. Love it. Yeah. Uh, It's so cool to chat with a BC sister. And we were just so excited when you came into our realm. Mm -hmm. And then Dawn and I both saw a TikTok from you. And we were like, is this the same Laura, who we just started working with because she is on fire. Like you are just always spitting so much truth and sharing your voice so courageously. It's very inspiring. Mm, totally. Well, thank you. I, um, I feel like, you know, I try and show up in my most authentic self And this sounds funny because everyone would say, well, I do that all the time. It's like, well, no, I mean, sometimes we just have old kind of patterns and we kind of blip into an old way sometimes where we don't show up as our true selves. But I, it's my mission in life is to just really embody my authentic self. Now I have learned, and uh, depending on where you're hailing from the world right now, you might know all about this, but it's not always easy right now to show the fullness of who you are in a, in a censored community these days. So my Instagram, I try and stay, I color outside the lines for sure. I've had a few notes sent my way by Instagram, but my TikTok has mostly been shut down. <laughs> not by me. <laughs> yep. They here replaced we are. you with, with TikToks from, directly from Putin. <laughs> Amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. But what you have to say is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Too, no, too dangerous. All that talk about freedom and sovereignty and informed consent, it is a really very dangerous things to be talking about. Yes. Yes. I mean, it might be if we want to get into the idea that it is narrative and story that really guides um, humans, right? So um, maybe we can be dangerous simply by speaking our truth. And of course, in which case we'd probably want to define danger and maybe we would embrace being dangerous women. In fact, I, I think we would, but perhaps we can start slightly more gently today and start how we always try and start, but often come in and maybe a third of the way through, which is, you know, we are a big fan of personality quizzes and assessments and astrology and all things looking within to understand ourselves better. And does anything like the Enneagram or your sign or disc or human design, or I could keep going on. Are there any of those that you want to share that really resonate with you in your life? Okay, here we go. My more, more recent has been into human design. I think a lot of people could probably say that. And I am a generator mm. through and through, uh, a sacral generator. Mm. And 
that really resonated with me, mostly because it's true. I completely get energized by the work I'm doing, caveat, as long as the work I'm doing is the work that I'm meant to be doing in the world. So, you know, doing things that really are not in my wheelhouse or forcing myself to do things really trick, really tricky. I completely deflate all my energy. But when I'm doing the work I'm meant to do, I can just keep going and going and going and going, not a problem whatsoever. And the whole sacral side of things where there's this piece where it's like you can tap in and know what's a yes for you. And if it's not a hell yes for you, it's a hell no. I really resonate with that. You know, kind of more on the like, whether you go strengths finders or you go towards disc, I am an achiever activator. I'm the person who, and a super learner. So those are the things that I love. Like I'm always, I had to really ban myself actually from getting another certification or another course. It was a bit of a problem. And I, and you know what, there are probably people that are listening right now, humans who are like, oh my gosh, I can so relate to that. So let me just give you a little quick story. You can relate to that, Dawn. Okay. There was a point in time when I realized that all my seeking, which is about is about learning because I, I'm a super learner. I love to learn. It was also one of the ways I avoided doing the thing that I needed to do. So there's that line that I think you want to, you want to, you want to be aware of. So it's not a blind spot for you. So yeah, that's a little bit about that. I just took a, another assessment that I didn't know about <laughs> called the VIA Strengths Assessment. Have mm-hmm. you heard of it? Never. It was fun. It's kind of like StrengthsFinder. It's totally free. And yeah, my first strength was love of learning. And then curiosity was also in the top five. And I think we both feel you on that constant, like, just give me all the courses and certifications and books and yeah. Yeah. But unapologetic. It's, it's unapologetic. Like it's a great thing. It's good to be curious. It's good to learn as long as that's not the thing that's like stepping in the way from you stepping into your life. Right. Like if I, as long as I, as soon as I have those letters behind my name, or as soon as I have that certification that I'm going to do the thing, sometimes we just got to do the thing, you know, and let yeah. our, I let the output, let the experience, let the results inform us that we really are already capable. Yeah. And is not all the learning because ultimately we want to create something from that knowledge. And so looking at like creation and consumption, I find myself very easily, I will just slip into only consumption mode where you're just consuming content, learning all of that. And of course, sometimes you got to take that and create magic with it. I think that's a good point. I don't really know that I thought of it that way, but I would definitely agree. So I'm curious how, how your understanding of your human design, your strengths, knowing who you are, how that has impacted how you operate in your business? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Well, I mean, it's been an evolution like all things. And there was a point in my own life where I got off path 
you know, I was on a cool path. It just really wasn't my path. <laughs> you know, I had, I was in full-time practice as a chiropractor for almost 25 years. And along the way, you know, in having kids and being married and doing the things and creating the things that I wanted, what I created for myself was really awesome. And so much more than I could have imagined for myself, which was the thing that was tough in some ways, because there was a point in my late thirties where I looked around the landscape of my life and I was proud in some ways. I, you know, I had my two kids and my clinic and I was doing a lot of the work that I wanted to be doing in the world and feeling really good, but where my life didn't feel good, it felt horribly not good. Mm -hmm. And I really realized that in the process of breaking things down for myself, which literally, you know, so many things in my life fell away. I was getting divorced at the time, which wasn't the problem. It was part of what was going on within me, which is I realized I had never really strongly developed the most incredible sense of relationship within myself. So it's not that I didn't really know at all who I was. It was that I hadn't really created a strong relationship with the woman that I was inside. I thought of my soul as something else, like outside of myself as an entity. And I had abandoned this relationship within myself and it showed up in certain aspects of my life. So like I said, where my life was going well was really the areas of my life that for whatever reason were very aligned with my soul path, who I was, my gifts, really as close as possible to the essence of who I was. But the places that weren't were very much off. And so this getting to know yourself that you're talking about, whether you're talking about it's like learning things through personality tests and so on, which are so useful because they can enlighten you to aspects of yourself that you've turned away from, that you don't remember about who you are, that you actually knew, but it was always within you. And so this interest in building the relationship back to myself was probably the hardest, but the best years of my life. And in that, you can imagine lots of things fell away. And all of that space created an opportunity in a vacuum and a place for me to ask myself the questions I had failed to ask myself sit in the silence of, of what was and really start to really create my life to be in alignment with all of that. So when you talk about, you know, how do you use these tests or what did this kind of, how does this equate to the life that you're living? All of these were little pieces for me. It was, you know, oh, hey, that's interesting. I am that way. And when I'm operating in the strength of who I am, these are the attributes. And when I'm not, this is the way it can show up. Or these could be your blind spots. Or these are the things that could be a tendency. Not to shame you or to make you feel bad, but to enlighten you, to make friends with the shiny places and to make friends with the dark places or the more dense places within myself. So, you know, I've always stuck really close in these last, you know, I'm in my fifties now. So I've always stuck really close to this continuing the relationship with myself. And that's what keeps me going back to things like, you know, Enneagram or human design, just that curiosity to know myself better. 
There's a lot of cool things that you just said there. Two things really struck me is that I can see why your Enneagram resonated so strongly when you discovered it. If like, especially like that sacral generator, which is like, you just know, right? In your gut. And also like you have the energy. So like if things were aligned, of course, they were flowing so well because they were probably just so easeful for you. And then I think something I really loved was the falling away. I think so often when we uh, wake up to the not quite rightness in life, and uh, I, I know you have a yoga teacher training too, and I know so many people who go through a yoga teacher training and then everything falls away. And then the vacuum, you mentioned the vacuum, and I love that because I think that vacuum is it's like how the universe can magnetize things towards us without the vacuum. There's too much, like you said, density. And I I think that's not exactly what you meant, but density, like things in the way of, I don't want to use the word manifesting or attracting, but I'm going to like attracting what your sacral center can be like, oh, heck yes, towards. So yeah, thank you for sharing. I love it. You got it right. And sidebar, I have been a yoga student for 20 years, but I did my yoga teacher training right after I retired as a chiropractor. So I retired in December, 2019. Then I went to Spain and did my yoga teacher training for January of 2020. I got, right. Can you imagine that was the kickoff to my 2020? So as much, and people are, if you haven't done one, which I'm sure a lot of people have not done a yoga teacher training, it's just exactly what Dawn said. You go there with like, it's going to be so great. I'm going to do yoga all day. And what you don't realize is you're going to reorganize and recalibrate your entire body, your entire nervous system, and all of it. Everything's going to be turned on its ear, which is beautiful. It was a bit of a shock to start 2020 that way. And I do fully believe the universe is always conspiring for you. But I have to say, I was like, I think I need to reread the fine print of 2020 because it was a lot. That was a lot. That'd be kind of an amazing way to start what the last two years were, I think, from this place of total receptivity. Although I could see how your expectations post yoga teacher training suddenly out the window. Well, yeah. I I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of people out there that don't have um, some aspect of that experience saying, you know, we are huge anticipators in life to our own detriment. And so, yeah, for sure. I had all these plans of what I thought was going to be. I've led retreats for a long time. And so I had all of these things lined up. And of course, they didn't all quite go as planned. And I have noticed that it really has, you know, despite the ups and the downs and a lot of the sideways, it's really, it has been very divinely placed in my life, all of these events. And I really think that that yoga teacher training was kind of fodder for my soul. It was little ground for, for really what I've been stepping into in the last few years. So what have you been <laughs> stepping into in the last few years? Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, there's the really like I could say in the what have I really been stepping into in the last couple of years? I mean, oh my gosh, a whole new awareness about myself and the world and um, all that. But really, on a practical perspective, I've been a personal leadership coach 
while I was a chiropractor and I coach chiropractors, but in the last couple of years, it's my full-time thing. It's what I do. And I run Soul Inspired Girl, which is the coaching, but it's also a women's program. And, you know, I'd been adding to that over the last couple of years. You know, it's interesting though, because of having to show up in different ways, right? Like I'm in BC. A lot of the women I work with are on the East Coast because I used to live in Ontario. I know they don't call that the East Coast, but you know what I'm saying? And it's not so easy to travel around and do the things and show up in all the ways. So there's been this, while I'm doing the work with other women, I am doing the work on myself. That has been so much of what has been going on these last couple of years. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah, big time. I mean, we had a conversation the other day about uh, teaching what you most need to learn and embody for yourself. And that like part of that is what draws us to teach and coach and run to certain domains. Yeah, it's true. I feel like that's like a really big part of just how you move through your own life. And I've really realized for me that I really feel myself forward. Mm. So even in business and so on, I find it really hard to show up for the things that don't jazz me, right? Like I've had things, programs, events that I've done in the world, which when I created them, they were my dream. Well, my clinic was my dream at one point, right? And and then there's a point in which it was no longer my dream anymore. Even though I was really good at it or I loved it in many ways, it was no longer mine to champion. And so it's tough, right? Because I also, just to reflect right now, I see so many humans right now changing what they're doing in the world, right? Like, they're, do you see this in, in working Mm-hmm. with people right now, like the businesses they were doing, or maybe they're still doing that business, maybe not, but there's a different angle, a different way, a different truth in how that they're coming forward in their business. Are you seeing that? Big time. I think the, like even just looking at the great resignation and the employment numbers in Canada too, it's like clearly there's a big shift happening. Yeah. Why do you think that is, you know, beyond just the fact that there's a lot of chaos in the world around employment and whatever, but, you know, on a, on a kind of a deeper level, I'm just curious what you would say, either one of you. Well, I think it can, it's a little bit existential because we have been brought closer to, to death and have just been more aware of death. I mean, we, I think they finally just stopped if you turn on the news, which I know none of us are like tapped into that, but you know, they had like the death count constantly going for that to be in someone's Mm. sphere of awareness all the time. And you're constantly getting the reminder that you aren't, gonna be here forever at least as far as we know for sure so I think that would create a sub even on a subconscious level a drive for people to spend their precious life doing something they don't hate so true I never really thought about that because I have not been like you said I have not been tapped in and turned on to what's been going on in that kind of 
way in that media. But even if you had your head buried in the sand, it would be impossible to ignore that level of like fatigue right now. And so this, I feel like a lot of it has to do with leaking energy, like the places that we're leaking energy in our lives, in our relationships, in our businesses is so evident right now. And when we resist it, of course, that just accelerated. It's like you're putting fuel on the fire. If you lean into it, you learn something. And then if you can be courageous about it, you can start to reorient what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to in all of those avenues, in your personal life, in your relationships, in your business. And, and I think just sort of one courageous step at a time, we just started tuning to the frequency of where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing, I'm really paying attention to the humans in the world right now that I see that are doing that, that I know that I can watch them and feel into it so that I can model and mentor that even for myself, right? Like I can, I notice it. So for example, talking to you, Shanti, and you were telling me about making this shift in your business and why you were doing it. It inspires me. It helps me kind of go, Right. So what's going on in my life right now that I, it's not for me anymore. It's just not for me anymore. And one of my girlfriends said, and you probably actually know her, but she said, courage is contagious. Courage is contagious and bravery can be borrowed. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Them and, some quotables. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you who ultimately said it, but for me, that really resonated with me because we don't always have courage or we don't feel we have courage, right? So when you see someone else being courageous in the way that they live their life, especially right now where they're, we're choosing to put things down that we've been carrying for so long, like things that were never ours to carry up, where we're talking, you know, lineage stuff, where we're talking ancestral, where whatever we're talking about, I feel like, and I relate this as women, especially, but I know that men are doing this too, is we're carrying loads of stuff that was never ours to carry. And within our own lives, we are still showing up for spoken and unspoken contracts and agreements that are so gone now. You know, we don't even really even remember saying yes to them. So it's this place where we just want to be more courageous in how we run our businesses, how we show up in our lives, how we orient to all the relationships and all the yeses and all the noes to just keep dialing it in and dialing it in. So finding those people in your life who are doing courageous things. And sometimes the most courageous are the small things. They're not the huge things. They're not like the life clearing things, although that's courageous too. I feel like I am less woo than I'm about to be, but I also think there's something about this falling away. Like we, the great resignation, like, why is that happening? I think there's something about this falling away that is okay. So the woo part was, I was going to talk about timelines and how maybe if we vibrate appropriately, we'll end up in the timeline we want to be in rather than the timeline we're being shifted towards with say news media vibrations and things like that. And also that 
to a lot of people, we're coming into the Aquarian age, which is supposed to be this golden era where like, you know, you, you want something and it appears in front of you and telepathy, telepathy, that was like tilapia, that's a fish, but telepathy is a thing, you know, where we can like, and and Shanti and I have that to the extent where sometimes we forget we need to talk about things because we like maybe understand each other so well and your imaginings become reality. But the shift into this age is going to be filled with friction and filled with the falling away and, and filled with, I like to think of it as, um, like we're midwives to this new age and giving labor is an intense process. And it's like, we're both birthing and, and holding the hands of each other as we birth this new place. And so I think that that's a lot of, of what's happening of why people like Shanti's like, if I know I'm going to die someday and the, the ticker is there telling me how many cases and how many passed away, how can I possibly keep doing something that my sacral center says isn't for me? Right? Like, how can I? And um, it seems that on mass, the answer is I cannot. And, and the, maybe that's where courage comes from less like, like, what is it? Necessity is the, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be trying to pick a mother quote, of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. See, brainwaves. Um, <laughs> that's how shifts happen a lot of the time, right? Is because they have to, mm-hmm. and we can be watching the world and we can like, be like describing symptoms that are turning into also the cures at the same time as in our own lives and in our own relationships, our own aspirations, we are in it. So, yeah. Most definitely. And I think a lot of it, I think a lot of the suffering comes from like when we talk about letting go and falling away, it's really the resistance. It's And when we get in states of seeing lots of shifting and changing, that's unnerving. And for a lot of us, the first place we go is to see what we can control, right? Just to see Mm. what we can control in our lives. And so I see a lot of that. I see a lot of hypervigilance and a lot of hyper control. And it's exhausting because we're not really meant, well, we're not meant to do that. And also it takes an inordinate amount of energy. It takes a massive amount of energy to be constantly vigilant in your life. And so I don't know about you, but I have always hated the word surrender. It feels like giving up. <laughs> this this will be a lesson that keeps coming back for a while, I think, for me, because um, I actually know that's not true. So instead of like getting all hooked about the word surrender, I just, I really try and think more about allowing, allowing what's going on right now while really being, and back to that word control, thinking more about what I can control in my own life. And funny, speaking about being in the same vibration, I happened to get this email by Shanti today that talked (laughs) very much about this. And... (laughs) And I was like, hell yes, that's the truth. That's the truth of it, right? Is it's to really dig into the things that are that are vibrationally a match for you right now. So if you want to get back to the woo and talk about, you know, timelines and the quantum field, I think that's a part of it. I think that one of the ways is that you start 
really creating what it is that matches you into existence is by spending more time in creation and inspiration and in the doing of what's really for you. There you go. And I don't actually think that's very woo personally. (laughs) I think that. (laughs) (laughs) This is just daily fodder. Like this is like table talk, right? Totally. But sometimes, okay, maybe it's not. And I hope so. I hope that's true. But I am often surprised at the things that I think are fairly common knowledge. I look over and I see somebody's eyes crossed and I'm like, (laughs) I went. (laughs) Yes, that happens. That does happen often over here too. Forget, I think it was someone, Dawn's new friend, and we were talking about something. And to us, it was like a very commonplace idea and he was like what are you on oh it was sovereignty it was (laughs) it was the word and the concept of sovereignty meaning something beyond the the rulers the king and queen government yeah 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 Mm -hmm. but here's why I don't think it's rude because if you and I and everyone every human on this planet has an impact on all the things, right? So if we are doing things, behaving in such a way, paying attention to our thoughts and actions and emotions and trying our very best to share joy, feel joy, gratitude, all of these like emotions that we would look at a vibrational scale and see as like high vibe, okay? And this is not like good vibes only, like I said in the email, not at all, because we're here to feel all the things. But if we were, as humans, intentional and, and consistently doing our very best to feel good, to let go and shed that which drains our energy and doesn't serve us, this would be a different world. And that is not woo. That is, that's just truth. Mm. So yeah, what you said about energy leaks, Laura, it's like, I think we are becoming more conscious of what is leaking our energy and what is giving it as a collective because we have to be. Right. There's so many places for our energy to go. Like, tell me that social media isn't an energy leak or a leech instead let's vampire right and that we are constant not and not like vampires in the books we read but like the bad kind of vampires um and like (laughs) that's giving us energy but like constant pulls towards um getting you know dopamine hits by posting a story or liking someone else's thing or or what have you like how can we not become more aware of energy leaks? If we don't, we will be very like controlled even, and we won't have energy to do what you were just speaking about, Shanti, which is like the things that uh, when you are in community face to face and and just committed to being even a tiny bit open and truthful, come naturally supporting, going after what we love and helping each other do it. But when even this, like our communication is via Zoom over three different 
computers over like plugged in and wireless and like, how do we get that? Like, this is giving me energy and it would be giving me way more energy if we were, you know, sitting together, drinking a perfect Laura coffee, um, having this conversation. So, yeah. And that's, I think that's actually a good thing because we can't feel our way into a solution without noticing the discomfort mm-hmm. of where we are. And I think that's our call to action is to notice what we notice, as we like to say in yoga, notice what you notice so that you can help it and help inform you as to where you're going. And I use that in essentially everything I do. And the times when I've made the best decisions in my life are the times when I've followed that. The times I've made the best decisions in my business, the times I followed that. And when I did the thing I thought I should do, the thing that someone else told me I should do, the thing that I looked that somebody else was doing and I thought that might look good on me. And so I just tried it for no particular reason or worse, adopted it as the way that I do something. That's that's when it didn't work out. So I do think that there is something really, as much as this is so incredibly hard and everybody's having a different felt experience and I would never try and put what I'm feeling and the experience I'm having on somebody else. I have noticed, and this is an observation and I've felt within myself that all of this discomfort of is really important right now. So when you go back to the part where you're like, we're supposed to be going into the Aquarian age and I'm not really, that's not my, I don't know a lot about that. So I'm not going to go into that. But the point is I all like we really are. But like a lot of things, we ask for something, we ask for something, we ask for something. We knew that the system wasn't working. We knew so many of the systems weren't working. We knew the education system, like all of this stuff. My girlfriend and I were talking about this the other day, and we want something different. We want to be face-to-face. We want to put down the technology. We want all those things. But then we didn't imagine that this is how we would get there, (laughs) right? We're like, oh, I didn't know I had to do all this to get there. I just wanted the place where I felt free, the place where I was really living my life, the the place where I'm actually asking myself, like, how do I want my business to run? Like, who are the people I want to work with? And what's the impact I want to make? And how do I want this to feel within myself while I'm doing it? And how do, and again, just keep looking at it. How do I want my relationships, my personal relationships? How do I, you know, all of the things. I think it comes on the other side of this really intensely uncomfortable place that so many of us are in right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if either of you have listened to this podcast episode from Aubrey Marcus, where it's Zach Bush and Charles Eisenstein and Aubrey's interviewing them. And they're talking about what you're talking about, John, like the birth of a new world, that whole analogy. And how it feels like we're we're like in the birth canal and it's dark and scary and you can imagine being a little baby and like being totally catapulted into a whole new world and it's a really beautiful episode I wish that they'd had a woman on there who had (laughs) given birth and could speak to that because they were like I mean I know they've all attended birth that's different when you (laughs) You've done it. Clearly. <laughs> so that's my only critique of it. But uh yeah. 
really, if anyone wants to go deeper into exploring that mm. metaphor, it it's a wonderful entry point. Mm. So Laura, I think one of the things that to me isn't isn't a big energy leak for many, many people is this sort of patriarchal blueprint of how we do things as business owners and entrepreneurs. And you've had such a fascinating journey of like, I don't, I don't know if transcending is the right word, because I'm sure it's a work in progress. But knowing what I know of your journey, I think you've made some huge leaps into operating with really feminine principles. I'm curious if you could speak to that and what that like before state looked and felt like, and then what the after looked and felt like. Yeah, for sure. This is something that if you asked me five years ago, I don't know, I would have had words to it. It's really on the other side of my own sort of transformation on this, I would say that I really am fully understanding how much I used to function in a real masculine way. And I was so informed by the patriarchy of the world. And I know that this is, I'm not the only one having this experience, but easy for me to say that as I was growing up, all my role models were men in business. So this is how I think of this. And when we're young, we learn how to show up in our own life, in our families. And we get accolades and we get positive affirmation and so on from distrib- you know, being a certain way. And we sometimes get negative for functioning in a different way. So what I got rewarded for, and of course, I just want to say blanket statement, <laughs> it's not my parents' fault, right? Like this is just, this is what happens in life. I'm sure I've done the same thing to my own kids in one way or another. But what I, what I was rewarded for growing up was to be really disciplined, very much like get it done no matter what, pedal to the metal, foot on the gas, keep going no matter what. If you're not bleeding, it wasn't hard, it wasn't worth it. Whether those were spoken to me or unspoken, that's what I realized I got positive affirmation for or positive um, emotions for. And so I just looked around me and I, as I went into business, I saw, I, I saw my dad, he was an entrepreneur. I saw him in business. He was successful. I tried to emulate his way of being in the world, which was a lot of the things I just said there, plus more. And so I used this whole way of showing up in the world to achieve the things I wanted to achieve. So that's what it was about. I was achieving because that's what I was recognized for. And in my childhood, and then I just went out in the world trying to achieve to get that same recognition. So I would, you know, when I went into university, it was all about that for me, slaying the dragon, achieving no matter what, all the things I just said. Same thing happened when I went off to chiropractic school. Same thing happened when I launched, I had a brick and mortar business and I had about three months to turn it around from, you know, the very small amount of money I had in my account to making sure that I could pay the lease, pay my employees, whatever, whatever. And so I just became a human doing like crazy in my life. And 
I was rewarded. And there's that word, handsomely. (laughs) I was rewarded handsomely, meaning goals, I hit my targets, things, you know, kind of came forward. And the more that I started to build the machine for myself, the more I started to shy away and be on the other side of my feminine characteristics, like my intuitive side, my the woman who can feel into the experience. And I just really started, I looked around my life at one point and I had two kids. My husband was a pilot, so he traveled. So it really weighed on me a lot because at that, he would get a calling, have to be at the airport in two hours and he might not be home for four days. And I had to like have all the balls in the air. And so I just was a doer. I just was a complete doer. And I never allowed that to really sit with me, you know? And so when I talked about how, you know, there was a point in my life where I looked around and I thought, I think I've left myself behind and all my role models were men and they were awesome. And that was all great. But this is the part where I skipped over this relationship with myself, this like really wise, intelligent, deeply intuitive sensual, the woman who could hear the message between the words, the woman who could like float through her life, my more, the woman who was willing to have her life really like be the picture of who I was, that woman, I kind of, she was like on one quarter stay. I was like three quarter, you know, in my masculine and, um, you know, it worked quote unquote until it didn't work, you know, talk about a day of reckoning, which was kind of a four year reckoning. And, and so that's the part where I'm talking about, I, there was about two years there where I was like, I will not set a damn goal. I don't want to talk about goals. Don't talk to me about goals. If somebody talked to me about goals, I literally felt like I was erupting into a rash. I had been on an accountability in an accountability group with three other amazing men every single Tuesday at 7am for four years, talking about our goals talking about our goals, talking about what we achieved, what are more goals? What are we going to achieve? All great things. You know, that this is such a long story for me. So I, you know, I want to kind of like, just bring it back to some level of brevity, if that's even possible, but all to say there was this place within me where I looked around and I realized every single person that I was looking to, to find my way, the lighthouses that were in my life, all men, great, nothing wrong with that but where were the women? Where were the wise women? Where were the women that I could really see myself in? And, you know, talking about courage is contagious and bravery is borrowed. um, I had so few of those in my life. And thankfully, when I started to recognize that it wasn't working for me to be so much in that place, that's when the women started to show up. Mm. I grew up thinking that I just didn't really get along with women. You know, a lot of women can relate to that. Women aren't that nice. You know, all the things. Not true. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's true, but that actually wasn't the truth of it. The truth of it is I wasn't available. Mm -hmm. I wasn't being the kind of woman that I would want to meet. I had girlfriends in my life, but let me tell you, when I started to sink into this, into the feminine part of my soul, I started to recognize how much more powerful that is how much more intuitive that is. I still have all of the 
of the pieces because we are both those things. We are our masculine, we are our feminine, but it was to blend it away from myself in a way that um, I could really start to create a life that that felt like 50 shades, not of gray, <laughs> but just like so many shades. Like I could be so many things. And I don't know, I think feel like that's when life got fun for me. Business got fun for me. My curiosity came up. My I was more artistic. I was more willing to be fallible. I don't know, you know, all the things, mm. all the things. I love it. In yoga, we talk about like Shiva, like the masculine being this like single pointed focus, like doing right. And then the woman is the feminine. The Shakti is like that powerful creative force that can be whimsical and can dance and then stomp and then change her mind. And that can be, that can be hard because changing your mind or being changeable or being whimsical or even creative isn't necessarily valued, wasn't valued. I think we're coming into a new time where it is more valued. And I think I want to point out that you Freudian slipped and said, I was in a a goals group with three other men (laughs) and it just made me laugh because you, you are not, um, oh, and gender could be fluid too. So, and, and yes, we all have, have those two sides, but how did your life shift when you allowed the space, created that vacuum to attract the women in that were the women that maybe were the ones who could inspire you and could help you embrace the side of yourself that you had been accidentally, I'm sure, by your family of origin? Well, my life I felt like for a lot of my life, I had been sipping air, like inhaling, like bringing in things. And it it felt like an exhale mm. when I started to turn towards that part of me and to be perfectly, you know, just to make, say the obvious, all of that was already within me. It's, I had, it was about remembering her, mm. right? She didn't, she really didn't actually go somewhere. I just had turned away from her. So my life shifted in such a way that, Well, it's like putting on your best pair of pants. Like it's just relaxing. Like what would you put on when you come home? Or I guess where a lot of us are at home, but like (laughs) when you come home from a long day of work or you've done something out in the world and you want to like put on your cozies, that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. But it felt like an empowering place within me. And it did give me that ability to, to be a lot more curious in the work I do. And I don't think that I could have had the courage to sell my clinic and walk away from something that I had spent so many years creating, so proud of, loved, loved being in it. But there was a time, and I couldn't tell you when it was, where it transitioned for me, which the thing that I dreamed into existence was no longer the thing for me, which is really hard to a lot, like really hard to come to that truth. But I don't know that I would have had I, that's not even true. I do know that I wouldn't have had the courage to make a different decision. Like you said, change your mind. If I hadn't tapped in and remembered this powerful side of myself, this part, this powerful part of who I am and who I've always been. And that's the biggest shift. Has your ability to do that influenced your 
ability to share your message. And I ask because you create such incredible content. You really do. And when you're jamming on ideas on your Instagram stories, it, to me, it feels so genuine. Like you are speaking your truth in a way that feels very courageous. Do you think that shift had an influence around that? Like, I'm curious if sharing your truth in that way has always come easy to you and it has nothing to do with feminine and masculine or if there's something there. Well, I would definitely say I've always had a voice. You know, it just came out in a different way when I was younger. I I like to think I was practicing, (laughs) but I've always been connected to my voice. I've definitely not always been celebrated by my voice, but I do think that there's this place where in all that exhaling out, it was almost like, you know, if not now, when? Like it really came to a place where I just wanted to put a lot of it down. And I did a lot of personal growth work around that. And it was the shedding of the expectation of what I thought I was supposed to be in the world and how I thought and however I got to those places. The shedding of that was really where a deeper level came through my voice. I'm really speaking so many times to a version of myself, right? Like a place that I have been in my life. And, you know, life always has circling and repeats where you find yourself back, even just for a moment at things that have come up for you before. So uh, I love that you can stand on the other side of my content and my business and whatever. And that's your, that's what comes through because that's what I would want to come through. And I think it's like one of my guiding lights for myself is if all else fails, I just want to make sure I don't betray myself and all this. I know what it feels like to betray myself. I don't want to do that, especially right now. And so that's where I get I get the fuel to speak my truth as authentically as possible. I also know how hard that is. It's easier for some people, harder for others, but I know how hard that is. We care innately so much about what people think of us and the machine in the world tells us to care a lot, but we sometimes forget that we're supposed to also care what we think. That's really the relationship to preserve because when you can stay in integrity with that person, in my case, me, then it allows me to go out and also give more to others. But if I leave myself behind, I betray my own beliefs, my own values, because that's a big guiding light for me, then going out to the world to be of service to others, you are showing up with half a tank. It's not sustainable. And, you know, I've, I've tried it. I've done aspects of that, maybe not for long periods of time, but aspects of it. So that's really what drives me now is, is not forgetting myself along the way. But there's got to be pushback. <laughs> when you're sharing your truth so blatantly. So how does it feel to be on the other side, not the other side, but you know, of a narrative and to be so with so much strength speaking your truth and how do you continue to come back home to yourself and that truth and those values? One of my, I mean, I think that's such a great question. And 
one of the things that I really try and acknowledge is mine is a truth, not the truth, right? It's a truth. And we all have different lived and felt experiences and their multiple truths can exist simultaneously. And so it's when I am speaking my truth, I am not, I really know there's nowhere inside of me that's like coming forward with the energy of which makes your truth wrong. Mm. Right. So I do it as an offering and a sharing and I can tell the difference. If I've ever done it differently, I try and go back and course correct. So if we're talking, you know, let's just use social media. If I show up in a moment as the as a human <laughs> and I come from a different place, I can recognize it immediately and I'll course correct it. But that's how I feel about it. I am sharing my truth as an offering. And I'm also really sensitive to my wording as best as I can to try and present it as such, present what I'm saying in the world as what I know to be true, right? Which is not about somebody else, really. It's what's true to me. And the other side of it is I share it because if I feel this way, then chances are somebody else is feeling that way. And I'm not trying to to speak to the whole world. I'm really there to speak to the person, the woman in my case, who needs to hear the message. And if I can keep that as my focus, then I don't feel the immense pressure to satisfy everybody. I, I know that people aren't going to always agree with me and that's, that's, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, we say it, there's a lot of lip service in the world right now. We're like, it's good. You don't have to agree with me. And then we, we, you know, spew out 55 reasons why people should be agreeing with us. <sighs> but there is that place where it's like the emotional maturity to be like, there are multiple truths that are existing simultaneously. And if you can really take that in, then number one, it also alleviates you of the responsibility of always getting it right. So it's being integrity with yourself, speak with respect, but you can also speak your truth. It is a bit of a skill. We talk about this in my, in my roots program, because there is kind of like just exactly what I was saying, but but also there's a way to kind of speak our truth where it doesn't necessarily feel like you're making somebody else wrong. Mm. And to me, know your truth, know why you're saying what you're saying. And to me, it is, it's an offering. And, for, and also a lot of this just comes through me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's coming through me. I'm not like, I don't like take out a piece of paper and I'm going to, I'm going to do an Instagram live. And these are my five things I'm going to talk about. I just, I know the difference it drops in and then I, I follow it. I also don't feel responsible for, I feel responsible for being in integrity, number one, but I also, but I don't feel overly responsible for how somebody interprets what I have to say. So as long as I am ticking the checklist of, you know, respect, being in integrity, those kinds of things, it, I cannot be responsible for how someone else takes in everything. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And our filter through which we hear things and learn things is based on the totality of everything that's ever happened within you up until this moment. You go through life trying to speak your truth and you want to make sure it lands properly for everybody. Good luck. It's not going to happen. So you have to decide what it is that you're there to do. Otherwise, it is exhausting. And I've seen, 
you know, I've had clients where they're really wanting to step into their truth. And at times that means sharing it with the world or having a difficult conversation and it comes out and then it's overwhelming because we take responsibility for everybody's, you know, felt experience on the other side. And then they just like delete it, shut it down, (laughs) cancel it, do whatever. And it, I mean, it's a skill. It's, it's a skill in a way, right? Like having, sharing your truth is also part and parcel to having difficult conversations. And that is something we just really need to practice and break down and, you know, really understand what we can control and what we can't control and what's our focus and motivation for speaking or having the discussion or speaking our truth or whatever, and what isn't. And when you kind of get clear on those things, then it kind of is like, okay, here's how I'm going to be showing up to this. And you can kind of, you can be in a better place around it. I've been working on this. I don't know why it feels like, it feels like it's partly my, it's why I'm here. I, I don't know. It's like, I do know why, but I don't know why, why that is. I think, you know, you, you know, that, you know, that, you know, it's that kind of thing. So For some reason, it feels like I have different hats that I wear. I'm a personal leadership coach. I've been a chiropractor. I'm a retreat leader, whatever. Those are things that I do in the world. But it feels like to me, I'm meant to speak my truth. And not to say that my truth is to teach other people. It's maybe more to model Mm. how we can be in integrity with ourselves or, you know, and I don't always get it right either. And that's, you know, the practice of self-compassion and learning and grace mm. and all of that, mm. you know, those small things that we need to learn in this life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just tiny lessons over mm. and over and over again. Mm. I get jazzed up about, it, I'm not going to lie. I just think speaking your truth is a way that we can align and connect with the relationship to ourselves. It's the way that we know who we are. So it's, it's uncovering our own personal core values. It's a practice in being ourselves. And honestly, we're, this is why we're here. Clearly, we know it in our brain, but to have the lived and felt experience of being who we are unapologetically, practice. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. And we do, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get it right. And when we don't get it right, a lot of times what happens is we just shut right down. And we're like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to bring forward the person, the face, the narrative, I hate that word, but you know, whatever the conversation or whatever that I think the world wants to hear from me. And right now that's not, the world's not going to accept it right now. Mm. It's just not going to fly. Yeah. Colin showed me this hilarious meme this morning. It was like the cartoon with the, the super triangular nose, like the, the normie guy. And it said, I support the current thing. I like sent a profile yeah. picture mm-hmm. um, with a circle around it, like yeah, a Facebook yeah. circle. Yeah, I sent that to a bunch of people today, too. That same one. I support the current thing. Whatever it is, I just, just I, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so something you said at the beginning was disliking the word surrender, but then something you were saying just here, uh, I, I just kept coming back that I wanted to call us back to that moment because I believe it sounds like when you surrendered to your truth and when you surrender to grace, it becomes 
simpler to share and also surrendering the control aspect and and letting go of the idea that you can control how you will be received so yeah to me now of course i have the i have a different idea of that word where i don't feel like it's giving up I feel like it's like finding the higher value, the more the the thing that speaks to the soul that the soul wants to speak to and through you and, and surrendering to that. And yeah, it feels to me when I, when I uh, partake of your content as well, that it's coming from a place of, of channeling or of, of having surrendered to that truth. I think you might've just forever changed the way I align with the word surrender. Perfect. I, I hope it stays. <laughs> I hope that's stuck <laughs> because that, you know, I, as soon as you were speaking to that, it's like, I could feel myself soft and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I can get on board with that. That feels good to me. Right. That's why I'm such actually a big definer. I like mm-hmm. whenever I am doing a class, in a program or something, I always start with, I try and start with the definition or at least my definition <laughs> so, that, so that we can start from that because that's a perfect example. My idea of what surrender is and your idea of what surrender is, they're not, they haven't been the same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, you know, I think so much of what we're doing in the world is arguing about things that like we don't even know what we're arguing about or we're affirming with things that we don't even know we're affirming with. It's like, at this point, I feel the opposite than that cartoon. And I'm like, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. That I know. <laughs> that's what I, that's where I am right now. I'm like, I don't have enough capacity. I'm ignorant around this. I'm learning as fast as I can over here, but I'm currently I'm going to say I don't have an opinion and I just want to say I love everyone. <laughs> That's how mm. it feels. That's how it feels these days, mm. which isn't yeah. necessarily a bad thing in some ways because yeah. no. you know, we have to expose our own ignorance around things or relearning, yeah. unlearning and learning, right? I can't even believe how much ignorance. And I, I know that seems like a, such a negative word. I don't mean it negatively. It's just, I thought I understood things that I clearly didn't understand it's good. It's good. It's a lot, but it's good. It's humbling me. Yeah. And your truth evolves and any, for any of us, it evolves. It's this like living, breathing thing that's constantly changing. And we even see it in, you know, what we're being told the truth TM it, it, it evolves. It's like, and it's, it seems to me like the media, their truth is allowed to evolve. But those of us who like say anything and are dealing with this mass censorship, our truth isn't allowed to even exist, let alone evolve. I think that's what gets me so much around that censorship topic is that why aren't we teaching our kids from like the youngest of ages that just because that person over there is saying something about themselves, about the world, about you, doesn't mean it's true. And I was never taught that. And I feel like I was always taught that that person, especially that authority figure, that what they say goes and you listen and you follow that. And that is the way it is. 
And to break down those barriers is like, whoa, you run into so many obstacles. But the Mm -hmm. practice of, of knowing that it's your truth, it's not the truth. And sharing that and knowing that's what everyone else is doing too, totally takes the pressure off. Mm. Like the the thing I've been really loving in I'm doing a life coaching training is this uh, concept of intersectionality, which I think I always thought of as like something they would teach you at like the corporate uh, diversity and inclusion workshop that like, I don't know, I didn't even know what it was, but what it actually is, is is that every single person has a different lived experience that's influencing their truth, that's influencing their belief system, that's influencing their actions and their circumstances. And and that as a coach, you simply allow them to express that and you get to know it without judgment, without jumping in and like, oh, that's not true. Because for them, it's true. Mm. And like to also, yeah, just have that practice with ourselves and our and our own truth and sharing it. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we were softer with ourselves and we allowed ourselves to kind of chip away at because we get that way as humans, we get rigid in that, right? And we think that we don't have integrity if we change our mind, as you were to say, Don, or you know, we're not being responsible. But really it's that fluidity not that you're not standing for something, but it's that allowing yourself to be informed of what goes on and learning yourself more with time too allows you to uncover what's driving your actions a lot of time around your values and your values shift and change over time. They reorient themselves. What was like, freedom was always one of my highest values. I have to tell you, it's gone up the flagpole a bit (laughs) over the last couple of years, like that kind of thing, right? So it's like, but it's that, allowing and being curious and understanding. And, and like you said, as a coach, it's allowing that human, which in turn, like allowing ourselves to have that be okay. Right. Like just, there is no need to change it, but it's that suppleness within ourselves to be able to kind of, to move along through our life, learning and unlearning and becoming and unbecoming and have that be part of your own evolution. And that's a good thing. Mm. So beautiful. And then defining your terms to yourself as well as to people so that you can be in communication and actually on the level, especially when we're judging ourselves and not being as soft and not thinking we're hitting those, like say maybe it's a patriarchal aspiration or what have you. We're not really defining our terms. Let's say, you know, like everybody's goal is to hit six figures until it's to hit seven figures. Like we could even define that. Sure. That zero is after a number, but like what is the truth of the why and, and how can we like relate it to ourselves as well as to another person so that we can share, because I don't believe that truth can be put into words really. Like, I mean, there's some simple things that perhaps can like, it's quite cloudy out today where I live. But if you compared it to this morning when the clouds were like this close, sorry, I'm on a podcast where like six inches in front of me and it was really foggy, then it wasn't, it's not quite cloudy right now. And so that's just 
that's just today, the shifting in the weather, but that, that weather shifts in ourselves and in our conversations with others. And so we are getting kind of close to time and I feel like we could keep going forever. So I'm going to pick Shanti up and we will uh, land on your big couch and you can make us coffee. But there is a term that I would love to hear you uh, define. And that term is sovereignty. What, what does it mean to you? And does how and does your business or being an entrepreneur play into that concept sovereignty? Yeah, I think of sovereignty as being self-governing, which means, you know, and in a simple way, I would say it's having the courage to walk your own path. Or another way I think of it even is to really establish your own sense of self as a lighthouse, like just where you deeply root into kind of the really the core of who you are on all levels so that you have that foundation of self and you can go out into the world and you can interact with other people and you can be in service and you can express yourself and you can grow and you can rise, but you know who you are, sovereign, you're self-governing, you know where the personal responsibility is. And it's not about being alone. It's not even about being independent. It's about the responsibility of owning who you are at the core of your being, which is tough, but the best tough and completely liberating. And that's the place where you can go out, for example, and speak your truth and not feel like you just got blown off kilter. Mm. You know, I think of it like a sailboat and they have the keel, that big piece of heavy, I don't even know if this is true, but whatever, is it lead or whatever, goes deep down into the water. And when you look at a sailboat, what you see is you see the hull and you see the mast and you see the beautiful sail. But what keeps it going and what keeps it rooted and what keeps it in the water is this, it's the keel. And that's what we want to have. That's our sovereignty. And it takes some time and it takes some introspection and it takes some audacity and courage. Um, but that's, that's the best work you'll ever do mm. is really investing in yourself and beyond whatever question you asked me after that, I, I cannot even recall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to reflect back that sovereignty is responsibility. I, I loved that. And we had another gal who's really in that movement as well. And it is like that idea that you're, you're taking responsibility for your life and then you have a responsibility to share your truth, right? Like it's not, not everyone you do because that's yeah. your truth. Yeah. The other question was like, I guess actually I'm going to have two here, but like has sovereignty been something that's important to you for your whole lifetime? And is that why you're in business for yourself? Well, if you just asked me the first question, I'd say, yes, I do believe so. Because before I could even have a job with somebody else, I had my own multiple jobs as an entrepreneur, as a kid, you know, mm. I never wanted to work for other people. I did work for other people, but you know, I would rather have a snow shoveling business that I could do on my own time than have a paper route, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think I've always had a desire to what I thought was independence was really sovereignty. Mm. I can remember in my marriage, and I'm dating myself by saying, you know, back 
2001, when the world kind of got tossed on its ear and everything was happening at that time. My husband at the time worked for a company that had been really solid for a long, long time. And how he viewed our family was that I am the entrepreneur. So thank God he has the job where he's working for the big corporation because he and like I can go out doing my thing. You know, I'm kind of putting a spin on it. But really, there was this place where he's solid and I am the risk. And what happened after 9-11 was his big company he worked for went into bankruptcy protection. And all of a sudden he was like, thank God you work for yourself. And so this is the play. And this is an example. I'm not really talking about the specifics of that example, but it's that place where that's how I've always felt. If at the end of the day, I want to know that I got myself and I have people in my life that I count on. It's not like I'm over here just doing all the things all by myself. You know, I don't have any connection. It's not that. It's knowing that I have myself. And that is, that's 100% why I've been an entrepreneur. I never felt right doing anything else, really. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and thank you for calling back to what you spoke about before, which I think was really important, which that sovereignty does not mean being alone and it does not mean not relying on other people. And that it probably can only happen within a community anyway. So yeah, good point. Good point, Don. Well, it was yours, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for mirroring it back to me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. That was a incredibly rich conversation. I know that our listeners are going to love it and are going to want more of this Laura Foster magic. So where can, where can they find you? Well, you mentioned it. Everything I do is branded under soul inspired girl and that's girl G U R L G U R L. So you can find me on Instagram at soul inspired girl. That's my website. That's my podcast. Yeah. Easy to find me. Just hop into any of those. Cool. And we're going to pop some links below one for Laura's masterclass, which maybe you can tell us a little bit about, and then another for her quiz, which we got to help her on. And it was just so much fun. So So much fun. Yeah. I'm so glad if you weren't going to bring it up, I was going to bring it up because this is when I first fell in love with Donna Shanti is um, okay. First of all, yes, I am doing I have an offering. I'm doing a free masterclass on March 22nd. So hopefully this airs before then. Um, it's embodying your wise women warrior, mm. which is a little bit of a jump off of some of the work we did together. And it is a masterclass on sovereignty and self-compassion and standing in your personal power. And it's uh, really three pillars of conversation, three massive strategies, and one really potent conversation. So you can go to my website or you can go to my Instagram and you can sign up and hopefully you're live on March 22nd, because when you're live, you get all the fun, enjoyment and strength of being in community with other women. But if you can't be there live, I will send you the replay. And also really awesome share. I say to women all the time that the quiz that I created with you two, or shall I put it in reverse? The quiz that we collaborated on that you created, divine it's what's your divine feminine sovereign style? So it is a lot of the conversation that we're doing here. It is really, it's dropping into your sovereignty and having that 
dropping into the essence of who you are and knowing what your natural leadership style is in the divine feminine. And you can do that at soulinspiregirl.com forward slash quiz. It'll be in the show notes, but the quiz is super short, but I have to say the results are pretty epic. Mm-hmm. And I've had what I, I have to give you some feedback on this. Creating a quiz from a user's perspective looks like you're answering 10 questions. But if you were to be in the experience of co-creating this quiz, I cannot believe how much richness and there's that word again, but truth and so on is related to the results. So I'm having women take the quiz and come back and just be so excited that it speaks to them. And the quiz results are so different from one archetype to the other. The results are so different, but they speak to very specific women. And so I love just how much they are feeling like it's feeding them. So yeah, I definitely encourage you to take the quiz and look into having a quiz for the work you do in the world because it's super potent. Yeah, definitely one of our faves. <laughs> hmm Oh, we were excited working on that team, the entire, or working on that quiz. The entire team was just like having a great time the whole time through. And it just launched recently. And I was just like, "Ah, I'm so excited. And then friends of mine were taking it because they follow you and like messaging me and being like, oh my gosh, it's so great. I love her. This is so amazing. So Yeah, really. uh, Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity to really play in the world that we love to be in. It was so rewarding. So good at it. You're so good at it. And your richness of being so good at it brought out the best of what I had to offer. And that's awesome. That's magic. So, you know, it's that being seen in the world. It's a, it's, it's a skill. It's Mm -hmm. a thing we're always working at. It's where all the best stuff is. So I thank you for that. Thank you. When sovereign souls collide. (laughs) We need to have a retreat. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the pod with us today. That was like, it was just as fun as working on the quiz. I feel like we must collaborate more, but I'll stop there. Thank you so much for having me. Well, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shandyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.